I'd like to begin today by taking us back to that first reading from the book of Kings, the story of Elijah as he's journeying out into this desert and he gets really tired and burdened by the journey and decides he wants to lay down and basically just die. Have God take his life there on the field. <clears throat> it's important to remember that prior to this journey, he had had a big confrontation with 400 priests from ba of Baal, which is one of the pagan or Canaanite regions around uh, Israel in Jerusalem at the time. They did not believe in God, uh, and they were challenged by Elijah's witness to God, uh, and so much so that they had a contest, which Elijah won because God uh, gave him a victory over them. Well, that upset the leaders of the, of the day around him, and they began to persecute him and chase him away. So he was very much burdened by giving witness to God's life as his uh, call as a prophet. It's an image I think we can take as an image for our spiritual life as well. We have moments where it seems we have great delight in our prayer, great insights from spiritual reading, wonderful experiences at times of the sacraments. And we go out and we think things are great, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves a little bit persecuted, a little uh, challenged even in the world to continue to give witness to that joy we found in this life. Sometimes it gets to the point where we find no joy at all in giving witness to God's love. And we act like Elijah, just wanting to stop and lay down. And I think the key thing in this image is that there's really two, two modes of existence as a Christian. We're either stuck where we are and not moving, or we are up and on the way, which is how the story with Elijah ends, of course. God sends the angel and gives him this heavenly bread that sustains him for not just any journey, but a journey of 40 days through the desert to where God is leading him to another encounter with himself. I've recently been reading a book by name by Jean-Charles Jean Nault, who's a Benedictine monk, regarding what I think is the dynamic at play in this story. He calls it the noonday devil. And the subtitle is Asadia, the unnamed evil of our times. Asadia, you may know by a more common name, is sloth, which many take in a gen generic sense as a kind of laziness. But his, uh, his study is actually rather more in-depth than that, and he focuses a lot on this sin as the early church fathers saw it, and then later St. Thomas. And I want to dwell upon a couple of thoughts that St. Thomas had about this sin of Asadia. So we better understand it, maybe even recognize it in our own life, and find his solution to it. St. Thomas begins with uh, the description of uh, charity, and this will be important later, you'll see, but charity as friendship with God. Now, charity is a kind of friendship. Uh, there's three characteristics of friendship that we need to keep in mind, which St. Thomas himself got from the ancient philosophers. Friendships always include a degree of benevolence, a degree of reciprocity, and there's something that the friends have in common. 
Now, as he's reflecting upon this, benevolence is pretty understandable. God loves us and we love God. Reciprocity, God's giving us life. We're thanking him for that life. But the thing that God and man have in common, that was a more uh, challenging reflection. So what is it that God and man have in common? And St. Thomas settled on beatitude. Now, beatitude, according to St. Thomas, is participation in God's own life. So by beatitude, we are participating fully in God's life, which is not a static thing if we go back to the earlier story. God is never static. God is always 100% active, loving, being. He's never put in one place. He's always out and about. And so if beatitude is participation in his own life, most of, us, most of us have heard, what, when we die, we go to heaven, and we are looking forward to the beatific vision. Now, that's not just seeing God in a restful kind of state, as St. Thomas is teaching us. That means that we're fully immersed into that action of God. So our eternal rest is actually eternal activity, according to St. Thomas, which is an interesting way of looking at it. But the most important thing is, in that beatitude, we're fulfilling uh, God's gift of charity to his beloved creatures, you and I. So what man cannot do alone, namely, namely attain this ultimate end consists, consisting of this vision of God, we do through friendship with God, which is his very gift given to us in charity. And from that charity springs then joy which St. Thomas calls Gaudium de Caritate, joy. Joy springs from friendship with God, from his interpersonal communion, from this beatitude that I've been describing, and this participation in God's own life. And there's two types of joy that we understand as human beings. The ultimate joy that we placed our hope in when we enter eternal life and participate definitively in God's life, and the joy we experience here below, the joy that springs from our life with God through grace, through the sacraments, through our prayer and our life of faith. Joy comes from these things. So why don't we always feel it? The million dollar question, why don't we always feel this joy? Why do we often feel those moments like Elijah in the desert? And how can it be that in the presence of, such, of, of so great access to joy that God makes available to us, do we find any sadness at all? St. Thomas's insights into this sin of asadia or sloth are helpful to understand. Asadia, he gives two definitions, sadness about God and disgust with activity. But it's a kind of sadness when faced with a spiritual good, which happens to appear to us as an evil. And that's the particular insidious nature of asadia. What is spiritually good for us, for some reason, appears bad or evil. And thus, we find ourselves sad in the presence of what we should rejoice in. And we find ourselves disgusted with holy work because some other things have taken the place that look better. St. Thomas explains 
man is capable of being sad in the presence of God because for God's sake, he must renounce goods that are carnal, temporal, limited, apparent goods, which on the scale of our measuring systems in our brains, weigh more than the spiritual good that God is giving us in his own life and in the ways that he's chosen to give them to us. So what is the solution? How do we fight back against asadia, spiritual sloth, the sadness that comes to us? The definitive remedy for asadia that St. Thomas gives us is the incarnation. To draw more deeply into the mystery of the incarnation, which is our gospel today, if you hear the words Jesus is teaching the people, I am the bread of life. Whoever believes in me and comes to me sees the Father because I have seen the Father and I am with the Father in eternal beatitude. Christ is always in beatitude with his Father. And if those receive from me this life, you too have the way to beatitude. Joe's going to talk a little bit more, I think, about that mystery of the incarnation and the bread of life, so I'm not going to touch it too much more deeply. But it is to say, we need to be aware that if we're feeling sadness in the presence of those things that should give us great joy, more than likely we've attached some other good to some lesser thing that's taking its place. And so we may need to renounce that other thing that appears good, even though it might be good for an intermediate or a temporary thing, because it's not the fullness of goodness that God is giving us in himself, in his life, in the sacraments, in grace, in our faith. For us to draw through this sadness into joy again, we need to see Christ again more clearly. Ask God to reveal Christ to us through his incarnation. Through our own participation in the sacraments, keep our eyes fixed on what Christ is doing inside our hearts and be more drawn to the will of God in Christ than the substitute things we find in ordinary life. May we trust that God is eternally reaching out to us in one act of love. And may we never be content to rest in sadness or to rest even in the consolation of the things we think we've already achieved in our spiritual life. May we draw ever deeper into the eternal act of God's love through our own charity and giving praise and thanks to God. <laughs>